Good morning, everyone. How are you? My name is Bill. Happy New Year. As it has been said, welcome to the first Sunday of 2019. It's good to be together. If you haven't been with us, um, or even if you have, just to recap, Matt had been leading us through a series called Let There Be, where it takes us back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, where God, in this, in this poem about creation, speaks, and when God speaks, light and life happen, and it's good. And, and in that hope, uh, the, the author of the book of John writes, picking up from that same place, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and that all that is would not be if it was not for God, and that in God, what has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And that the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. And that's the hope that we rest on. And that's the hope as we get ready for this next year that we look to for, for our lives, and, and for, that I hope for each of you. And so, very simply, did I just turn off? Hello? Okay. Um, very simply, my hope for you today, my prayer for all of us today, is what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and it's this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, may give all of us, a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. The hope is that we come to know God for who he is, and why? so that we would know the hope that we've been called to, that we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and that what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. That's why we wanna know him. See, if we don't know God, then just hearing about the hope, hearing how precious we are to him, and hearing about his power won't always serve us well. Because you need to know him to understand that what he has promised is what he will do, and that the darkness will not overcome it. Because that's who he is. It's not about who you are. There are times that we will fail, that we will fall short, that we will do things or act in ways that will make us feel like we are not worth it or less valuable. And that's not who God is. He says in all of this, I love you, you're precious to me, and I am doing great things for you. I have done and I work in ways that are beyond you. I am working and speaking and doing things that are beyond you. And I will continue to do great and wonderful things for you. That's who he is. But there's a problem or at least I have a problem. I feel like God is easy to miss. I feel like he's very easy to miss. And we have to wrestle with that. Because if he's going to say that we have this hope in him, if he's going to tell us how precious we are to him, and the great power that he's working on our behalf, then it has to work here in all of the brokenness, in all of the chaos. Doesn't it? Otherwise, why? Why say it? 
And it's easy to miss. It's easy to miss when you look around the world and you, you see brokenness. You see war. You see sickness. You see enormous amounts of people being displaced. Even in our own country, you just see the chaos. You see confusion. You see the tension between people. It's broken. And then that's just the outside. That's everywhere we're looking. And then we, we come back and just look at our own lives. And we know where we are discouraged. We know where time and time again, the finances just don't line up. And we're just always trying to play catch up. We know that there's sickness for us or for people that we love and are close to us. And it just keeps going. And it feels like it shouldn't. And where is God in that? He feels easy to miss. And sometimes we lose loved ones. And it feels like, well, what were you doing? It almost seems like I don't need to believe in an all-powerful God for someone I love to get sick and to die. Like, where, where are you if you're in this? And if, if there's any hope in this, one thing that we can look at, and it's one of the reasons I love the Bible, because it's this honest story about God speaking to and acting on behalf of people and people missing it that God is faithful to all of his promises, but that we miss it. We don't see the way he's working or doing it. One of my favorite stories about this is about a man named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in Israel at the time of, this, of a man named King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and they were bad. Do you know the name Jezebel? Like, that's a name people know even if they don't know the Bible. This is like the original Jezebel. She was terrible. She was really evil. And Elijah was a, a, a man mightily used by God. Through what Elijah did, what God was doing through him, he saw people raised from the dead. He saw droughts end. He saw fire called from heaven. He saw amazing things. He was used mightily. And he was always working against the darkness that, that Ahab and Jezebel were leading the people of Israel into. Always working against them. And so finally, Jezebel says to, to Elijah, that's it. I'm going to kill you. And so Elijah, you know, having seen all of these miracles, having seen, seen God been so faithful to him, does what you would expect and he runs. He runs. It's so confusing. You see on the heels of him doing these amazing things, he takes off. And I don't mean like he lays low at his mom's house for a while. He goes 250 miles. He goes. He leaves the country. And he leaves not just in fear of Ahab and Jezebel, but he goes seeking God. He goes back to Mount Sinai. He goes back to where, if, if you've heard the Bible stories of, of God giving Moses and the Israelites the law, he goes back to there seeking God. And 
It's amazing because God even sustains Elijah through this journey of going there. And when Elijah gets there, God says, why are you here? And Elijah says, because evil is winning. Darkness is overcoming the light. And I am alone. And where are you? And God says to Elijah, I'm going to draw near to you. Get ready. Be on the lookout. So, God, so Elijah gets ready. And there's an incredible wind that comes. The kind of wind that starts to break up the mountain. Can you imagine how terrifying that is? I was once um, hiking in the woods, and I don't, it, it was so sudden, but I'm walking along, and suddenly the temperature drops like 10 degrees. And suddenly this wind, like I've never seen before, it comes blowing the trees. And I've seen strong winds like blow trees over. This wind was so strong, it almost seemed like the trees within the forest didn't know what to do with themselves. They were just, I was hearing snapping, and I was just watching them like whip in circles. And so I ran. And I ran about 200 yards because I'm not in good shape. But I was very... <laughs> I was pretty tired. <laughs> and I got, it was still again, and it was warm. And I walked for a little bit, and it caught up to me. And the temperature dropped, and this wind came, and it was terrifying. And I, that's the only thing I can relate to this wind, but it, it's terrifying. And I can't imagine the type of wind that starts to break up mountains. But what's interesting is that what it says in these verses in 1 Kings is, but God wasn't in it. God wasn't in this incredibly powerful wind. And then the earth shook. An incredible earthquake, a mountain shaking. But it says God wasn't in it. And then it says that fire from heaven came down. And sometimes I think the Bible is very understated. You know what I mean? Like it just says like fire from heaven. I think this was quite a showing of fire from heaven. Like God creates worlds and says, like, it's good. I fix the Apple TV and I'm like, Kelly, I'm amazing. Like, you know, like the Bible's just kind of understated in that way. But a fire from heaven. I bet it was terrifying. But it says God wasn't in it. And then it says, in silence. And, and it's so complicated, and you can, you can read books about this and commentaries, and people will argue, but it's like, in the silence of the silence, God speaks. God speaks. And he says to Elijah, why are you here? And you can almost picture it. You know when somebody whispers to you, says, hey, and they draw you close, and they say, hey, and you're never like, What? When someone draws you close, you get close and you get quiet. It's so intimate. And Elijah says, evil's winning. Darkness is overcoming the light. I'm alone. Where are you? See, Elijah had a big problem with a big power. 
He saw a kingdom coming after him. He saw armies coming after him. And Elijah had decided what he needed for God to do for him to save him. He had decided what was to be the solution to his problems. And what Elijah needed was a wind that would tear things up, an earthquake that would shake things up, and fire that would consume things. Elijah needed a bigger power than the power he was facing. And he laid it out. This is what I need, God. Where are you? And God's response in coming to him in that silence is so... He comes in and he says, Elijah, and I'm not going to read, I'm just going to kind of summarize his response. Elijah, I am God. The darkness will never overcome the light. Elijah, what I do as God will never be undone. You are not alone. I am working. I have a plan. And you have a part in it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And it's so easy to see how Elijah could miss it. It's so easy to see with the things that he was facing, why he would. But God's showing him that, Elijah, I don't work the way you work. I don't do things the way you want me to do them. I have other plans, but don't miss it. I'm at work. You're looking for wind and earthquakes and fire. And I'm telling you, you're missing it because I'm speaking. You just haven't heard it. You haven't looked for it. And this is where we want the eyes of our heart and we pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we might see who God is, so that we'd understand this hope, that we'd understand that we are precious to him and that we'd understand the power working on our behalf. And that's always been the problem for people. That was the problem for when Jesus came and they missed him. See, when, when Jesus came, the Romans were in power and, and there was nothing more powerful than the Romans. And people expected a savior to come as a king and to overthrow all the ruling powers and all the governments and to do things the way they expected. They wanted a king who was a conqueror. They wanted a king to overthrow all the powers. They wanted more power to conquer their power problem. And instead, what they got was a king born as a baby, born to poor parents. He was a friend of sinners. He sought out the sick and the weak and the poor. He made disciples of the people who weren't good enough. And that's how he declared his kingdom. That's how he said, the kingdom of God is near. Not as a conqueror. And he came and he allowed himself to be put on a throne. And not a throne of power, not a throne of gold, not a throne on the backs of his enemies, but a throne of grace and a throne of mercy. And that's where he was lifted up. 
And as a king, he's lifted up on his throne and he makes the most powerful royal proclamation that anyone has ever made and can ever make. And not with a loud voice, victorious, but with his dying breath, he says, it is finished. Don't miss it because it's easy to miss. Don't miss it because he's not a king the way you expect. He didn't conquer death and the powers that we struggle with the way that you think he would have. He didn't come in wind and earthquake and fire. He came saving us through his death on the cross. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Friends, it is so important for us to lay down the constructs of God that we've built in our minds, the parameters that we've defined in which he must work in order to solve our problems and our struggles, the, the definition for how we've decided this is the way that God can speak to me. This is how I've decided I want to see God work in my life. We need to lay those down so that we might have eyes to see. You know, when you develop a relationship with any new person in your life, it, it builds a construct, it builds a model, right? You meet the person, you start to get a sense of who they are, how they dress, their sense of humor, what, what to expect from them. And that's, those are just little models that we build. And that's just being human. And then if somebody ever acts outside of that model, it just, it can surprise you or, you know, you, you kind of re, rebuild the model. And the same thing happens to us with God. When we're young, if you grew up in the church like I did, you, you built a model of God with what you had. And it's, it was very simple, especially when I was young. Do good things and God takes care of you and does the right thing and he's always faithful and you don't have to worry. And only bad people have to worry about anything like getting sick or death. And then one day, something happens where you see someone who is faithful, that loves God, and they get sick. And then you pray and you think, okay, God will, will heal them because she's a mom. And she dies. And you're like, well, God, where were you? And, and the model that you have gets crushed. And you're at a decision point. You're at a crossroads. Is there a God who is bigger than what I thought he is? Or is there no God? I think there's a God who's bigger than we think he is. There's a God who has told us that he's going to take all of our joys and all of our trials and suffering, and he's going to bring all of those together for good for those who will love and trust him according to his purposes. That's how this God works. This is where me and this God have a fundamental disagreement too. You know, in Isaiah 43, God says, when you walk through the fires, you will not get burned. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. And I think, and I'm just spitballing here, how about I not go through the fires? How about my testimony is I trusted in Jesus 
And then life started to all fall into place for me, where I never suffered from disappointment or sickness or anxiety ever again. How about we do that one? I can sell that one. And that's not what he does. He says, I promise to be with you in it. Don't miss it. I am God. Darkness will not overcome the light. I have a plan, and you're a part of it. Will you lay down the constructs that you have? Do you know how he, here's some things to consider to maybe test your construct. Because a lot of how you know, you'll start to learn what you think about God by how you react to certain things. If you're someone who every time you hear about something good happening for someone in your life, you just get jealous and mad, you have a small God. See, instead of hearing that we have a good and faithful God who is giving and takes care of people, you think, well, I wanted that. Instead of understanding how big God is, you just think, oh, great, God had $10, and he gave eight of it to that person, and now I can only get stuck with two. And that sounds silly, but I know people who struggle with that. If you're someone who every time something goes wrong in life, you think, God is angry at me. He's left me. That's not a faithful God. That's not who he is. And that's a, that's a construct that needs to fall away, that needs to get broken. In the same way, too, if you're somebody who's like, everything I do is awesome, and God, has, God is totally okay, and I never need to change anything about me, your construct of God needs to change. And you need to draw close to Jesus and lay out your life for him and say, it is entirely yours. I am entirely yours, God. You tell me what I get to keep and what I have to give up. But these are constructs that we have to give up. And if we're going to be people who seek God and don't miss it, this is one of the steps that we have to take to surrender our constructs before God. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is to truly seek him for who he is. So lay it down and then seek him for who he is in the way that he wants to show himself to you. Commit to pray. Don't be thrown off by that word. Talk to God. Lay down your burdens and your concerns, your hopes and your dreams, the things that you're thankful for. Lay it down and then listen. Spend time listening. Read your Bible because the Bible is a testament of the fact that God speaks to people. And I believe God has spoken, and I believe he is speaking and will continue to speak. Learn how to pick out his voice. And the best way to do that is to hear what he has said and how he has revealed himself so that you can hear it because it's noisy and it's easy to miss his voice. A few weeks back, I was talking to a friend named Deb Lutzma. Deb Lutzma goes to this church. Some of you may know her, you may not. I was explaining to Deb that in the last year, it has been just one of the best year or so, like year or so of my life. I got married. I have a stepdaughter. And, and as part of all of that, I moved. I sold my house. And then the company I work for got bought. So all good things. 
or so you know, but it's stressful. It's a lot, and I don't feel balanced, and I'm struggling with it. I feel back on my heels a little bit. And she said to me, "What is God saying to you?" And I said, "Well, nothing. He's not really saying anything." And her and her kindness and wisdom, and she said, "Well." Sometimes that happens to me. And then I, I realize that sometimes he just says the simplest things to me. It's just very simple. And you know, when she said it, kind of like, it was like a domino that pushed. And I started to connect other pieces. If you've ever seen the movie, like The Usual Suspects, you know at the end where like he realizes who Kaiser Soze is and you're like, oh. It was kind of like that for me. And, and it, was, it was good and I, it kind of, refocused me for how I have to listen. And a few days later, um, I was in a Trader Joe's in front of the refrigerator on Shrewsbury Ave. You know the one. We've all been there. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I'm stressed out and I'm anxious. And I'm stressed out about work and I'm stressed out about things for life. And I'm, I, I'm stressed out because I have friends and family in this very place who are going through complicated problems. And I'm praying to God and I'm saying, I need your help. And what I'm really saying is, I have complicated problems that need a complicated answer. That's what I want. Detail it out for me, step by step. I surrender. I can't figure it out. Your God, give it to me. And this is what he said in Trader Joe's. Not like I was meditating. Not like I had candles in front of me and quiet. He said, breathe, breathe. And so I hear that and I'm like, right. I need to take time to like set aside time and be quiet and relax more and breathe. And he said, no, breathe. And in that moment, something happened to me where I went, <sighs> and I realize in that moment, that when I get stressed out, I stop breathing. I just kind of take short breaths, like very, very shallow. He says, breathe. And even in that moment in front of Trader Joe's, the refrigerator section, I'm starting to breathe. And suddenly my mind is starting to slow. And I'm feeling relaxed. And my, my breath is now becoming my prayer. My breath is saying, like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't have words. Some of these things are too complicated for me. And I'm breathing. And as I'm breathing, things are coming into line. And it's this holy experience. And it's been so helpful to me these last few weeks. And it's so simple. And I know... Like breathing, really? Someone had to tell you to breathe? All right. But I'm telling you, breathe. That's the word that came for me at a Trader Joe's on Shrewsbury Avenue. Not a complicated answer. And I'm, I, again, it's been so helpful, and I'm finding God in that. And wherever I am, I can do that. And again, that breath becomes like a prayer. Look for God 
for who he is and how he wants to talk to you. And he does. He's going to use people. He's going to use books. He's going to use songs. He's going to use dreams. He's going to use your imagination. All of these things can be redeemed. But seek him out. Learn his voice so that you can pick it out. Surrender those constructs. Surrender those parameters that you have for God. Bless you. Finally, I would encourage you to be grateful. Don't miss God in the small things. Don't take for granted that the sun rises every morning. Don't take for granted the health that you do have, the people that you do have. Don't take those things for granted. Be grateful and learn to be grateful and see what he's doing so that you don't miss it because it's easy to miss. And when you see how faithful he's being, when you see all that he is doing for you, then it's easier to find him in the other spots. It's easier to listen. It's easier to remember that God is working on your behalf, that he has done good things for you, and he's going to continue to do good things for you because that's who he is. So get to know that God. Ask that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Ask that you'll have eyes of faith to see because it would be the very best thing for you. And so that's my prayer for you this morning. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you each a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that you would know the hope of your calling so that you would know how much he loves you and how precious you are to him and so that you would see the immeasurable greatness of power that he's using for you, has done for you, is doing for you right now and will do for you going forward because that's who he is. Don't miss it. I'm going to pray for you. God, thank you for who you are. We pray now that you'd help us surrender the things that are in our way from getting to know who you are. Lord Jesus, I'd pray that you'd help us to lay down all the images, all the models, all, all the things that we put on you that aren't of you. God, we are finite and we're broken and you are infinite and perfect love. And every time we look to make a model of who you are, it just, it winds up being finite and broken too. So we just ask you to wipe it away. Help us to know you for who you are. God, reveal yourself to, to us. God, for each person here, just draw near to them. Help us all to hear you, to see you in what you're doing. And give us a sense of the hope that is our calling in you. We thank you for all this, Jesus. Amen.